0: hey evan hey hannah do you like this new intro do people like this intro where Where we say hey where we say hey and just get into it
1: I can't answer for the people. <laughs> I'm fine with it.
0: I hope they I mean, do. Some we've... people
1: might not know our names.
0: That's true. First
1: time listener.
0: I feel like we've gone through a number of different, like before we had sort of these scripted intros, and so you know, I kind of liked some of some of that. We were little
1: essays. Yeah, I
0: that really like took some time, and then we were like briefly, we're like, oh, this design doc is about redesigning a role playing game. And now we're just like, <laughs> <laughs> Um
1: Yes, we are. So, I don't know. I, I feel like it's been a gradual process of realizing that we're never making Questlandia.
0: <laughs> Stop. <laughs> That's not true. So uh, with that said... Uh, This episode is about a game that we haven't worked on for a while.
1: That's right. A game we're coming back to after a period of dormancy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you would think that this was leading into us saying that it's Questlandia 2, but it's not.
1: (laughs) You would have been misled by an intentional setup. You've been set up.
0: (laughs) So what are we talking about today?
1: We're going to talk about specifically... Starship Ultralux, and some of the work we've done to get reacquainted with that project after it's been put on the back burner for a while. Generally, the hope is that this can be generalized to the experience of confronting an old project and making it feel fresh, despite whatever difficulties are represented in that work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about like rekindling the flame with mm-hmm. a project that you've sort of put aside, and then you pick it up again, and you're like, am I even attracted to this project right? anymore? Can the
1: love come back?
0: Have my feelings changed?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give a little introduction to Ultralux?
0: Yes. So, Starship Ultralux, we've talked about before, it was this game that we promised, said that we were doing, teased out. It was out. a stretch goal. Oh, God. I can't. <sighs> the <laughs> <laughs> Previous worlds, previous choices. Uh Starship Alter Lux was this stretch goal that we promised as a result of the, or as part of the Damn the Man Save the Music Kickstarter. It's a stretch
1: it, goal we made up. During the Kickstarter, right? Which is,
0: yeah, I mean, olden days that were with decisions were made. <laughs> I, I think we were, like, at the time, like, a little disappointed. Like, Damn the Man was doing, like, slightly, like, I don't want to say worse. It wasn't, I mean, in context now, I'm like, oh, it makes sense. Like, it's a pretty niche game. Uh,
1: yeah, but it it was following Noirlandia. yeah but it wasn't making as much money as New yeah, right? we Yeah,
0: I think we just kind of had it thought at the time that we were on this upward trajectory where every new Kickstarter was going to bring in more audience and was going to make more money than the previous one. Right. Uh, and Damn the Man wasn't trending towards that. So we were like, what can we do at the last minute to push this project and to get, you know, maybe some more backers will come in. And we're like, well, what if we promise a hack that's not – it's not just a hack. It's like its own standalone game, but it's a close hack of Damn the Man that is like a Douglas Adams-inspired, irreverent space comedy about a record store at the end of the universe to sort of play mm. on the Douglas Adams restaurant at the end of the universe. And we promised the stretch goal. Maybe it brought in like a backer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't really, you know, push our, push the funding total higher or anything. And now we'd promised to make a game, a new right, game. Right, we promised
1: to make an extra game.
0: Uh, so, you know, different choices than we'd make now. But we've never, for the most part, like, we've been, I don't think we've felt that much pressure to have any specific timeline, though. Like, I don't think we promised when this was going to get done.
1: Good move. <laughs>
0: so so unlike top tracks which you know i still feel bad about starship ultralux we've we've actually worked on it over the years like we've play tested it at multiple conventions Mm -hmm. uh but we've just it's still been this project that was sort of born out of this promise that shouldn't have been promised it did it doesn't match the scope of the original kickstarter and so it's just taken all of these different forms over the years i'm going a little long-winded here so i'll pass this off to you
1: we made a version of record store at the end of the universe that was truly just like a hack of damn the man and it was okay it, it went fine yeah um and that
0: was like years ago. Like at that point it was sort of we were on track to fulfill this as a full game kind of in a very reasonable amount of time.
1: Right. And I'm this is this is a place where my memory's a little foggy remembering some of the intermediary steps that brought it to the project that it is now. I think that one of the driving things that made it into a much bigger project was the decision to pre-write characters that you would be playing as. In "Damn the Man, Save the Music," there's archetypes that you can choose between, like
0: the aspiring poet, the flirt, the local rock star.
1: And that's how we started for a bit with the hack. But like, we started deciding, like, it's just not. It's it just makes sense to just have a character, like just established. And as we did that, it sort of established a fiction, you know, it establishes a world that these characters live in. And at some point, I'd love it if you remember how this happened, but the setting shifted away from a record store.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I don't <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if like a lot of our games, we started to sort of, you know, poke at the the, cre- the crevasses of capitalism um yeah. you know which i mean i think that even the setting of a like the setting of an independent record store in the process of being bought out by uh like some sort of galactic enterprise or megacorp mega cd corporation like it it i think it became an easy jump to being like what if it was about this luxury cruise that was controlled by this megacorp that went a million years off course and now it's sort of this derelict luxury cruise liner that's running on its own. I Honestly, I don't remember the exact jump. The only thing that I remember was at some point we were like, we're putting a lot of work into this and this this needs to be a Kickstarter of its own if we're going to justify the amount of work and playtesting we're doing.
1: Right. And that also thing where it's like, it's turning into a game that deserves a Kickstarter of its own, right? Like it's just... It deserves the kind of attention that you don't get by delivering it as a digital reward to Damn the Man Backers yeah. six
0: years later. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it hasn't been six years. No, I don't even want to... I'm just t- making uh, up yeah, numbers. Yeah. yeah it's don't probably don't, been don't cl- worry. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, let's keep going.
1: So I think a turning point was thinking of the character Elena, who was a like 19-year-old pet shop employee who won a golden ticket to have a day aboard the Starship Ultralux. And then the ship goes a million years off course. It's been abandoned. And you play the surviving passengers. We've gone through a lot of versions of this game. This was the last time in recent memory that we've used our playtest driven, motivational game design <laughs> oh, strategy. Yeah, yeah we've you know talked I about mean? this
0: before of, you know, doing that thing where we're sort of having trouble meeting the self-imposed deadlines that we want to meet on a game. So we're like, okay, well, let's schedule a play test for three weeks from now. And then we have to finish the game.
1: I think we specifically, Propose that as advice in some earlier episodes. Oh Just God! Schedule of the podcast. Take it test. back.
0: Let's. We should probably do some sort of updated episode recount recanting.
1: We would like Re- to issue an apology <laughs> to anybody who followed that or any of our advice. I
0: think it's not good advice. I think it's. I mean, it's very like it's. It's coping is like an you know whether you want to call it like an ADHD coping mechanism or it is it's a coping mechanism for. That we have used to try to get work done with the way that both of our brains work.
1: And it works, sort of. Sort of. We did end up with a lot of playtest materials and an actual playtest of the game. However, part of the reason it got put on the back burner in a big way was because of the experience of those playtests. Yeah. And I say the playtests, but also the build-up to the playtests, the preparation, which was sort of frantic and deadline-motivated. I specifically remember like, getting three hours of sleep or something as I stayed up late and woke up early to finish preparing materials. And not only that, but the way we worked was by necessity, like, okay, I'll do this stuff, you do that stuff, and we'll, we'll just have it ready in the morning, right? And we separated out the work to the extent where both of us weren't quite sure what the other was going to provide.
0: Yeah, by the time we came together the next day to run the game, it was like we were running two different... We sort of each had our version of the game and our parts that we knew how to run. Right. Uh, And I felt so bad, too, because it was obvious that you had done more work and were so tired. And I, like, didn't know how to run... I wasn't familiar with the parts that you had written. Right. And so I was just like, I can't I can't even step in to help here um, because I'm not – at this point, I don't know this the game.
1: So this was the curse of relying on deadline motivation. It's like deadline motivation is real, but it sort of relied on my old habit, which is like, give me that super concentrated night before dose of motivation – And that's what's going to get me to work through the evening hours, right? Yeah. And it left me with some work that was pretty good in certain ways. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's cool that the work got happened and like, it's nice that there's something to show for it, but it was disconnected from our conversations at odds with other parts of the game. The game design was kind of sloppy and not like... Just understandably so. It was made in a rush. It needed more time in the oven, but all of the work was compressed into the edge of a deadline. And then finally, I beat myself up uh, physically by crunching and not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wasn't present for the playtest. So, I mean, I think it says something that not only has the game been on a back burner, but we have not attempted a deadline-motivated, uh, crunch ever since.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, so right after, I don't know if you remember that after running that play test, there was somebody else who had done, who had been part of a previous play test who was like, oh, can you like run Starship Ultralux at this online convention? And we were like, yeah, let's do it. Like we already, we just put all this work in. Let's see it. Let's see it pay off. Let's run it again. But the version that we had made now was so messy and unrunnable. Yeah. And the idea of doing whatever work had to go into making it feel successful to, for this next play test. And, you know, then I end up ended up bailing from this. Um. I mean, you know, with warning, not just like not showing up, but ended up having to say like, I'm so sorry, we can't, we're not going to be able to run this game. And I think that was when we were like, okay, we can't. We can't work like this anymore. At this point, this is affecting other people that we've made promises to.
1: Right. And so Ultralux was put on the back burner. And we didn't, we did like a short debrief, I think, after the playtest. And we didn't really look back again after that point. And the feeling that I had about it was just like Ultralux still needs work, it needs a lot of work. It's currently pretty broken, pretty busted. That's complicated work. We got to just deal with what we need to do.
0: And I would say of the two of us, you've been the Ultralux cheerleader. You know, you've said every like eight weeks, I would say, you're like, Ultralux is a great game. Like, it's got a lot going for it. I'd like to talk about it. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah. I hate that game. It stinks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, we both got a little wounded by that playtest. It wasn't even like a particularly bad playtest. No, test, that's the thing. You know? I think that it's some like, people
0: had a legitimately good time. And I think the main critique was like, oh, there's there's a lot of moving parts in this game. And they're a little bit, they're a little messy. There's too many of them. Um, I think every playtest people have actually had like a pretty delightful experience and have seen through the clutter.
1: Right. I mean, I think Top Tracks had a, has a part to play as well in why the ultra-lux feelings got so muddied. It's like, Top Tracks, which we mentioned briefly before, was yet another promise from the Damn the Man Kickstarter of a short magazine from the fictional 90s that the game takes place in. And it's been a devil to complete.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, Damn the Man, it's such a shame because on its own, it's a great game. Like, it's really tight. It has great rules. We delivered it on time. And we just felt this sense of sort of competitive self-consciousness, I think, at the time that resulted in some really sloppy overpromising of Mm -hmm. projects that ended up being much harder to complete than they should be. And... It's come with a lot of shame. I mean, it's sort of muddied some of the feelings that we have about Damn the Man as a successful game because it comes with this, like a little bit of this cloud. These things that we overpromised in a past time that we're still catching up on now.
1: Yeah, there's a particular difficulty that comes with the kind of promises where it's like, we'll just do an entirely separate, distinct production of a different type than the primary promise. Of this Kickstarter, we'll make a magazine. How hard could it be to make a magazine?
0: God, it's like, how do, uh, well, I do not have the skills to make a magazine. It has ended up being, I would say this is like the hardest layout project. Just there's so many unique challenges that have gone into Top Tracks. And uh, I feel bad. I feel like we keep, like, we've been talking about Top Tracks more lately. And I feel like I just want to say, like, For the people who are still waiting on it, I think there have probably been some people who have been very nicely quiet about top tracks, and I don't want to make them feel bad, like, like they've foisted this on us. Like, oh gosh, I foisted, like, generally I like the stuff that Hannah and Evan make, and yeah, I've been kind of like a little bit upset the past few years that these promises haven't been delivered on. Uh, I haven't really said anything, but now they're making me feel bad. Um, that's a worry that I have talking about top tracks.
1: Mm. I mean, no, <laughs> nobody who's waiting on it should feel bad. I'm skeptical that there's anybody who's like just thrilled at the idea of getting this magazine. Though it does involve some custom art and contributions from people who... Have every right to be like, where is it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What What happened with that, you guys? At this point, I will say I feel like I'm having trouble getting to sort of the thesis of this episode. But I'm gonna say I want to give like a little bit of credit to us two for like, I don't know. I feel a very strong desire in my life to just be a person of my word, and I'm like. I don't care at this point if nobody cares about top tracks i don't care that it was a mistake i don't care that it's coming five years late like i just i feel like we have the emotional fortitude to just make it and say that we fulfilled our promise and to not feel that bad about it because our past selves are not our current selves and then it's gonna be done and I just feel, like, I do feel a sense of appreciation for us not abandoning this, even though it was, like, a, a mess up, just a straight mess up on our part. I'm not, yeah. it's not a, an over pat on the back. It's right. like a it's like a it's just a, like a, a gentle a, shoulder, like, arms crossed
1: nod of approval.
0: You can't see what I'm doing right now. I'm doing sort of like a limp shoulder tap. Yeah.
1: Uh, I actually don't know what that gesture represents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, I just want to say, I don't know, maybe at some point we should do an, an episode. Uh, like, I don't want to be prescriptive to people about like how to communicate when a project's gone wrong. But, uh, I don't know if people would be, is that an, is that a good episode idea? Like how to, how to, how to, uh, eat your, eat, what, what's the phrase? How to eat your shorts when you fuck up?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? Eat your shoes? No, how to, like,
0: what's how to eat your humble pie? I don't, eat
1: the humble pie, that's it, yeah. I don't,
0: but I don't even think that's the phrase that I meant to say. Like, I, I feel like, you know, there have been many projects that people have seen over the years when somebody goofs it up a little bit and they're just like, poof, I'm gone.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm the wizard.
1: The goof poof. The goof <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's get back on track. All
1: right, that's the sneak preview of an upcoming episode. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously Top Tracks has, like, we're we're currently working on it these, oh, these yeah. past couple weeks. And, like, it has a lot of emotions attached to it. And that has gotten mixed with the feelings around Starship Ultralux. So... A little bit ago, the Chrislandia remake Kickstarter came to a close. And at that point we're like, okay, we need a little breather before we jump into making the remake. We need a palate cleanser. We're like, maybe it's finally time to revisit Ultralux and just not make the game, but just like figure out what's going on with it. How are we feeling about it? Like, By the time we made this decision, so much time had passed that it was unclear whether this game was going to get made, period. Like, was it going to be the next game, the game after that? Was it just going to be sidelined? Hard. (laughs) So we decided to set a few days aside for looking it over in the hopes that it's not just like a glance at the project, but like... By the end of these days, we will have made a decision about what's happening with this game.
0: And part of this was, you know, when you were like, we should revisit Ultralux, I was so resistant to it. And I was like, I'm not excited about this game anymore. I don't like this game. I don't care about the work we've done. I don't like the story that it tells. I don't know if I like the, I don't like the humor that we've been trying to emulate. And you were like, well, let's turn it into a game that we'll like then. Right. I was like, damn you, Evan. Damn you. <laughs> 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 you can do that? <laughs>
1: yeah. <I'd laughs> yeah, just um, I felt the anger that came from that suggestion. <laughs> I felt it,
0: but I—I I mean, it's—it sounds like such a—I don't even want to say it's advice. It—it it was such a like surprising response to me. It—it it actually like it—I won't say it blew my mind. It—it—it it, 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 like was a little like it crackled my mind a little bit that that was that was an option that you could return to a game that you had started in the past that you've sort of lost your. Excitement about and make it the game that you want to make in the present. Right. I was like, oh, I just didn't think that was an option.
1: And I wasn't sure that it was an option, really. I just kind of wanted to give it a go. There's definitely components of the game that I feel still in love with. One aspect of it is just we hired an artist to do some drawings of the characters and I still just absolutely love that art and want to you know make it attached to a thing that really exists in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um so my thought about how to start the process of making this into a game that we'd want to make in the present was to start by just using small reminders of the game as it stood and going off our own memory, just listing the things about this game that we had a lingering good feeling about or a lingering bad feeling about and like delineating what aspects of the game have those different feelings.
0: And I think we did that before we even opened up the any of our old documents, right?
1: We made a new document. Um, I did like slap in some JPEGs of various game components just as like a and it's like game components from multiple separate versions of the game like you know it was not like a cohesive snapshot of the game it's just like stuff that we made in service of this game something I hadn't thought of when we were setting up this list but in retrospect it makes a lot of sense is that this was really similar to our idea of how to make a game from nothing by listing out materials, mechanics, moments, and moods. Just a list of things that feel possible and exciting and good.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, Which is really appropriate for what we're doing here because it's not like we are actually trying to fix Ultralux, the game. It's more like we're trying to create a game with this source material and we want to pull out from that source material, the things that we care about and brainstorm, how this new game we make, uh, can bring about the best parts of it.
0: We're, we're not going to go like through and read the specific list of things that we wrote because it's getting, you know, into the, like the nitty gritty of the game design for this specific project. But as an exercise, it was really helpful. I was so resistant to look at what we'd made. Like, I I felt like I didn't want any of these previous versions of the game to, like, clutter this pure idea I had of what this game should be. So, mm-hmm. um, and we even, like, we got into, like, a little bit of a spat about it. Spate? Spat?
1: It's a spat.
0: Spate? Is spate a word? Spate?
1: Spate. Spate might be a word.
0: Anyway... It was a really helpful exercise, even though I was really resistant to it. It was helpful both to remember things from memory, to be like, you know, I have this, like, I have this essence, like there's this aura of this thing that I liked that I remember of this specific mood or specific thing that happened in a play test. And then there's these things that I remember that we don't like it was helpful to not be looking at the documents. And then even though I was really resistant to it, it was helpful to look at the documents. Even though I felt like they had like a... I felt like they were like poisoned or cursed. I like, I don't want to look at these old documents. But it was, it was helpful. You win again.
1: I was thinking of it as like detangling spaghetti. And I think that term is in my head because I'm playing like factory building video games where your assembly lines can look like spaghetti or they can look organized and reasonable and spaghetti is just what happens when you wing it <laughs> <laughs> but i had this feeling of spaghetti of like there's all these different versions of this game and all these playtests that we did and all these goals that we had and all these things that went wrong and all these things that had delayed bad impacts or good impacts. And I wanted to detangle it and just sort of be like, okay, what, what was good? What, what still feels good looking back on it and which parts specifically feel bad? Because without doing that, that mixed feeling of some good, some nasty was like covering the whole project like
0: sauce spaghetti sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: So not only was it nice to, to distinguish the different feelings about different parts of the game, as we were talking about it, the conversation, we started talking about things that weren't in the game. Um, we started adding new stuff and like writing new content for the game and like new jokes that we thought would be funny in the setting, and, like new ways to use it. And it was cool. It was like it was revitalizing before our eyes. We were, it was having a sense of what we did like was immediately, naturally starting to build into a new version. It was turning from a reflective exercise to a aspirational one
0: yeah it was a very like it was like a turned into sort of a nicely twisted linguine you know yeah it was like we were turning the fork and some of the little tangled pieces started to sort of align Mm -hmm. come together on this little spool of deliciousness
1: the negative things that we wrote the stuff that felt bad and still felt bad. Once we wrote those out, just the act of identifying them changed the nature of it. It stopped feeling like a poison fog, and it started feeling like a to-do list. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just
1: like this is just an issue that needs to be solved. Like one of the things on that list was just like, is it GMless or GM'd? it was it was listed as a negative because it's just like it's frustrating to not know, and it was vacillating between the options in an unpleasant way, but looking at that on a bullet list, it's like, oh, it's not like we're looking for solutions, but uh, the solution is to pick one <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> it's just like, okay, that's I can imagine working on that, yeah, right. And it was like that down the line, negative things that are specifically written out and identified become tasks instead of condemnations.
0: It was like very th- therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this a game design podcast? or? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the conversation from there immediately sort of jumped into that, that spirit. It, was, it started from one of the other negative things, which is just a list of questions that we didn't have answers to, and it felt bad. <laughs> it says, what do we do? What are we up to? What's the goal today? What does my character want? How will they get there? Good questions. Right? <laughs> and Hannah, you started by saying, it's like, well, what if we just used Questlandia? We've been we've been immersed in the Questlandia system over the past few months anyway. And so it's like, what if we just brought in the Questlandia resolution and that's what we did? And I was like, into that? It's like, yeah, I mean, like, let's bring in a solution that we already have for sure. Sure however
0: (laughs) (laughs) the minute you said however i was like no (laughs) whatever you say next is gonna be a good idea and it's gonna make sense it's gonna be right so i don't want to hear it (laughs) (laughs) i
1: was like i i kind of want this to be a game where it's less structured than questlandia you know questlandia has these big turns And then you turn to the dice, and the dice do big things. And I want this to be a game where a scene doesn't have such a rigid end point that it always ends with a roll, and that every single roll has world-shaping consequences.
0: And I was like, good point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then I I made it even worse for you, because I was like... You know, I think that uh in one of the versions of this game
0: I was so upset when, when you were like, We need to look back at the old version.
1: Like... I was like, I'm pretty sure there's some stuff there that might be that might be relevant to this discussion. To this
0: like I literally thing. had to take a walk around the block before I was ready to open the document. I was like I got a cool down.
1: You were like, do not open that. I'm not doing it. I won't. I hate it. <laughs> and I was like, I, I could do it. Just sort of like sneak a peek and then report?
0: No, then I felt and bad. Like, don't I tell me. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said don't tell me what you read, I forgot. I said no. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't believe how babyish I am. <sighs>
1: so it's not like um that that listing exercise completely extinguished <laughs> the bad feelings.
0: <laughs> Apparently not.
1: <laughs> but uh but you know, we took a walk.
0: Took a walk, opened a dock.
1: <laughs> took a walk, opened a dock. And I didn't make you look. I rewrote the rules on a on a whiteboard.
0: Yeah, then you showed it to me, and I was like, "Those are good rules." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we very delicately <laughs> managed to extract a bit of good design from the old one.
0: <laughs> <sighs>
1: it's like adapting a show into a role playing game—a show that you hate.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'll
1: show you have a complicated relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah, complicated relationship. It's complicated.
1: Once we passed that threshold and started revisiting the design of the old one and bringing in the mechanics, we ended up pushing past just the like feelings of the old project and starting to make a plan for what the new version would look like. And so we have a working document now that's like the new version is going to be attempting this stuff and it's going to have these changes and it'll be ditching these elements and honing in on these ones. And that was like an important decision, I think, to not just make it a debrief, not just make it like a glance, but to turn it into a plan of action that can actually be moved on be moved on i don't like that
0: be moved be be acted on
1: be acted on <laughs> a plan of action that can be acted on on and as a result i feel like we can actually put it back on the back burner <laughs> knowing that like revisiting it is going to be a simpler easier more enjoyable experience
0: that's a great point. It's like on the healthy back burner instead of the avoidant back burner.
1: Yeah, now it's like simmering.
0: It's simmering. Yeah.
1: Instead of just like being an unwashed dish.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of good good metaphors. We're going this hard. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I feel good about that. And also, we also, as part of that, made an agreement. You know, to to stir that pot occasionally. Right. We agreed that part of keeping a good relationship to this project was, you know, every few weeks or something until we're ready to have it occupy a more central role and, you know, really schedule it out and be moving towards like a final design and publication of it is just to keep checking in on it so we don't just get totally distanced from it again.
1: Right. So it's not that we went from like hate to love, but we went from hate to... Being okay with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. And it makes it so the parts of love that were there throughout the whole thing are less complicated. Easier to feel. For me at least. It could just be like Starship Ultralux has good art.
0: Yeah, it's part of it's just it's part of the story. Part of the story of our lives. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So do you think this qualifies as general game design advice? Or is this just a story about a thing we did?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like more and more in the podcast, I try to not give, think about any of this as giving advice. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I have like any advice to give or that I would want to give advice. This is a story of a thing that we did. Maybe it will be useful to somebody else. <laughs>
1: I think that's wise, getting out of the advice game. Yeah. It's only... <laughs> it's like advising people to schedule themselves <laughs> into a nightmare hole.
0: God, <laughs> I know. Really, like, working out some feelings on <laughs> unsuspecting strangers. Uh, yeah, so that's what we've got today. And I genuinely... I feel like this is a very, like, YouTube thing to do, but I'm just going to do it. Um because i am genuinely curious if that idea was that, that idea that i had earlier for like it's not well it does feel sort of advicey to be like oh we'll do an episode about how to crawl out of a hole when you really fuck up and you know overpromise on a kickstarter and uh, mm-hmm. then disappear i don't i don't want to give advice on that I think it's a cut would be kind of a fun episode. We should reach out to some people. We should be like, "Hey, so and so, haven't heard from you in three
1: years." <laughs> <Do> you... <laughs> Can we interview for our podcast like, episode about failure?
0: Do you, <laughs> you want to reemerge and like have sort of this therapeutic conversation about what it was like to disappear? I don't know if people would be interested in that episode. I'll try to reach out and get some people. <laughs>
1: That's a great idea. Oh, I'm
0: ready. I'm I mean, ready I'm for it. it. Yeah. I guess we're...
1: <laughs> we're we're soliciting other people to say it's a great idea.
0: Yeah, well, I can't promise that like I cannot promise that people who have disappeared and are feeling those feelings of like embarrassment are will emerge for this episode. <laughs> but, it it seems
1: like literally the hardest population to possibly get as a guest,
0: but I kind of like and the, the hardest idea.
1: topic to talk to them, to them about.
0: I know, but I, I don't know. I like I sort of like the idea for this episode, so I'm I'm genuinely curious if other people do too, and that's what we got today.
1: The goof poof is Pew. not a noof.
0: All right, we'll cut there.
1: The Design Doc intro-outro theme was written by our friend, musician Pat King. Thank you, Pat. I wonder if Pat ever listens to our (laughs) podcast.
0: (laughs) I don't know if Pat listens. (laughs) That's okay. He's
1: racking up the thanks.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash TurtleBun. That
0: could... one's actually TurtleBun. It's just TurtleBun. That will be us. We're a mess. We're a mess.
1: <laughs> Instagram.com slash Turtle and Bun.
0: Uh, oh, and the notes from, so, you know, we didn't go through those, like, Starship Ultra Lux notes super in-depth. But they will be up for our patrons.
1: Yeah, we'll be formatting them to be a little prettier. We're going to add footnotes, because we did that with the last one, and that was fun. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing you get when you are a patron of Turtle Bun.
0: Exhaustive game design notes that nobody wants to read. Yay! <laughs> no,
1: don't say the last part.
0: Oh, that are good and enjoyable. <laughs>
1: That's real content. (laughs) Design Doc is hosted by the One Shot Network of podcasts. (laughs) 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 They host other great podcasts like a horror borealis. A horror (laughs) borealis.
0: I knew you were going to. I saw you struggling. A
1: horror borealis. Is an actual play Monster of the Week podcast set in the 1990s in the fictional town of Revenant, Alaska, just south of the nation's least visited national park and way north of everything else. A reclusive small game hunter with a magical secret, a young anarchist librarian with a passion for conspiracy theory, and a sensible park ranger with a strong local book club following all find themselves pulled together by common threads woven mysteriously into their past, when monsters begin plaguing their tiny community. But they soon discover the things they're fighting run much deeper and much closer to home. Tune in for a story about identity, empathy, community, mental illness, and healing. And stay for the beloved local diner.
0: That's what we got. We'll see you soon, heroes.